You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 607 for January 4th, 2023. On this episode, drummer Ernesto Savini is back after a dozen years. So, starting off this year, the show is going to come out twice a month for a while. I don't know how long that while is going to be, except that I do know it will come out twice a month, at least in January and February. The reason for that is that I have got a bit of a backlog of interviews, and if I release them at once a month, then some people who I interviewed in November won't come out till May, and that just seems like too long a pause. I recently asked the members of the Jazz Session how often they thought the show should come out, and the best of the responses that I got, or the one that I thought was kind of the most interesting conceptually, was that it should come out at least once a month. And I really like that idea of the show coming out at least once a month, but coming out more often, if that seems to be both doable for me in a sustainable way and kind of necessary because I've gotten a little ahead of myself with recording interviews. And that's the case now, so I'll put it out at least twice for the next two months, and then we'll see if that pace continues beyond. Members of the Jazz Session also get This I Dig of You. That's the monthly Patreon bonus show on which I ask that month's guest from the main show to talk about something non-musical that is bringing them joy. This episode features Ernesto talking about the joys of Ultimate Frisbee. You can hear the bonus show by becoming a member for $5 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. That also gets you early access to every episode of the show, a thank you from me on an episode, and occasional behind-the-scenes info or other bonus materials, or sometimes I'll ask you about your opinion on how to do the show at all. If you would, please share this podcast on your social media. It's definitely the best way to spread the word. Nobody trusts me as much as they trust you, right? In your social circle, you know that's the case. So if you tell somebody, hey, you should listen to this, they probably will. I can keep trying to tell them, but they may never even hear me, let alone actually do the thing I'm asking. So if you share it, everybody wins. And I guess mostly this podcast wins. But also you win because you've recommended something cool to your friends. Anyway, if you share it, I'd be appreciative. Thanks so much. Ernesto Cervini's new album is called Joy. It's inspired by this great series of detective novels that are also now behind the TV show Three Pines. Here's the opening track from Joy.
Ernesto Servini, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to chat with you. It is a joy to have you. Oh, my God, I didn't even mean to do <laughs> that. Did not even mean to do that. The I say that because Ernesto's new album is called Joy. Uh, and it's fabulous. And it's inspired, I think, uh, in I think this is the first time ever in the history of the jazz session. It is inspired by a series of detective novels, uh, novels which I have also read. And I'm uh, I'm very curious to hear about how these books inspired you to make a record. So why don't we start there? Well, first of all, I just have to say I'm so psyched that you've read them. That's awesome. I didn't realize that you uh, you were also a fan. I am a fan. That's that's excellent. Um, yeah. So I uh, there are books by a Canadian author named Louise Penny, and um, they're these wonderful detective novels that uh, most of them take place in a small town in the eastern townships of Quebec, and uh, I started reading them probably four four years ago maybe four or five years ago um on the recommendation of my sister amy who's a wonderful singer uh jazz singer who lives in new york uh amy servini and um she had been tearing through these books she's like ernesto you got to check them out they're really wonderful so i started reading them and immediately fell in love with these books um they're just so beautifully written and the characters are so rich and um and they're funny and they're they're thoughtful and they're just beautiful books. Um, and so I think I read the first, I think at this point, there's, I think the 18th uh, book is coming out uh, in November. So she's written quite a few books. Um, I read the first, I think I was on the eighth book, which is a book. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the exact number, but it's there's a book called The Beautiful Mystery, which is all about this um murder there's they're detective novels so there's always unfortunately someone has to go in each uh in each book <laughs> but uh there's there's um, a murder in an abbey in like deep deep in the the woods in quebec this like um abbey where these monks live in solitude and um so the detectives go go to this abbey and they you know try and solve this murder but really the book is all about music and it's all about the chants that the monks sing. And and um, and I was just so taken by how she talks about the music and, and describes um, how beautiful this music is. And it just, it got me thinking it would be really cool to write a song trying to take the thought of plain chant that these monks are singing and then wrapping it into, you know, some sort of jazz ish type um package something that that made sense and so uh i started i did that and then uh i don't even know once i think once i got that idea of writing a song um for that book then i immediately thought you know what maybe maybe i want to write a whole poems worth of music based on these characters um and then as soon as i got that idea I I kept reading all the books, but I would always have a notebook beside me where I could take notes and thoughts about different characters, different quotes. Um, and then when I finished the last book, which I don't remember at the time how many she had written, I think, I mean, it was like three or four um, years ago. So there's probably three or four less books. Um, as soon as I finished, I went back to the beginning and just read them all again immediately. Um, so that I could read them having this idea in mind uh, 
that I was going to be writing music um, based on these. And so that's kind of where the, the spark of inspiration came from. I had been, I'd been thinking about trying to write an album's worth of music based on one overarching theme for a while. And um, I'm a, a very, I'm Canadian and I'm a very proud Canadian. And I wanted to, I, I was hoping that I would find something, um, you know, that was a sort, some sort of Canadian theme to do this on. Um, and, but I, but, you know, I was looking at, oh, maybe I can find a Canadian poet, but it just didn't do anything for me. Um, and I was talking, um, to my, my brother-in-law a while ago and he was like, oh, how about, you know, Canadian paintings or Canadian, you, what do you love that's Canadian? And I thought, well, really just hockey and beer, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> If that's not your next album title, I know, right? I just want to say I'm out. (laughs) The funny thing is, I was like, and I can't write a, I can't write an album that's called Hockey and Beer. And I said that to one of my friends. He was like, "Why not? That sounds awesome." I was like, "Okay, maybe, maybe that's the next one." The jazz crossover (laughs) event of the century, right? And I mean, hey, I'm passionate about those two things, so, so why not? but anyway, so then this happened and it kind of it it was a way for me to scratch that itch. I, I was I was able to find something that I could do that, um, you know, I was very passionate about. And, um, uh, you know, I'll be honest, if the books were not Canadian and were written by an American author or a European author or someone, I, I still feel like I would have wanted to do it because I really do love these books. But the fact that it kind of. Um, She's also from here in Canada. Uh, it just made it even uh, more rich for me to, to kind of focus on. about these books that I think it's probably important to say for folks who haven't read them is that very early on in the series, which uh, in, uh, you know, takes, as you said, takes place kind of in, in a small town and then other, you know, kind of small, smaller locations, but in the small town that is featured in the early goings in the series, there's a, of course, as you said, you know, someone always has to go because it is a detective story. But there's <laughs> Unfortunately. This, the books are as much about the decency of the people in this town and kind of the 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 basic and shared humanity of these people as they are about the detective story. And I think that's what really drew me in, because I, sometimes detective stories kind of, you know, leave you a little bit cold and sometimes they're designed to do that. But mm-hmm. in this case, I I feel like the setting and the 
the people who revolve around the main story are the thing that make these books so magical, at least for me. And I, I kind of get the feeling based on the music you've written, based on the books and the, the people whose names you've used in some cases, <laughs> that that might be true for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I always read before I go to bed and it's it's like hanging out with some of my best friends right before. Like, I love these characters. And and I think part of what makes them so endearing is that you're right. It's about it's about decency and being kind and um, treating each other with respect. But the other nice thing about these characters is that they're flawed. They're not these perfect people that, you know, that she's created that, I mean, they're, they're people who have all sorts of flaws, the same as, I mean, every, they're real, they're just real people. And I mean, they're not actually real people, but the, (laughs) (laughs) the way that she writes them, they're they're real people and so it, there isn't this um you know like even the main character is this detective named Armand Gamache and uh you know he is a really brilliant detective and and he's a, a beautiful human being but he also is constantly trying to um grapple with his own flaws and his own demons and his own um issues and so it, it kind of, I don't know, it just makes them all that much more endearing because they're just, they're just, they're people with, with kind of issues and, uh, but they're beautiful people. And, and it's, there's, yeah, she's create, she creates this amazing community that, um, you know, you just want to be a part of it. Like I, I really want to go and meet all these people that don't exist, but I, I still want to hang out with them. So now you've reached a point where you've got the idea for the record. You've got dozens of books, dozens of characters, millions of words. How do you begin the process <laughs> of translating all of that into an actual album full of tunes? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think I just started started writing music um, and it kind of happened. Um, a lot of the writing happened during the beginning of the pandemic, just because of that, that's, that's where I was. I had written, I think I had written three or four songs and then the pandemic happened. And then I was like, okay, well now I have a little more time to, to sit down and do this. Cause uh, you know, I'm not playing gigs anymore. Um, and I had, um, yeah, I just had notes on, on things that I really wanted to cover. You know, I, I wanted to write songs for many of the main characters um, a lot of them are, are what I call character sketches. So they're just short songs. Um, you know, I, I'm, I think none of the songs on the album are more than are over six minutes. And a lot of the character sketches are two to three minutes long. They're just these little vignettes that, that kind of explore that, the vibe of that character. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just I you know I would I'd think about how that character could be translated into music and um oftentimes one of the first things I would decide is like what would be the instrument not always but a lot of times it was what instrument would I be writing for you know is this character something that I'm going to use uh six musicians to portray or is this something that's going to be a solo a solo piece um, and, 
And then once I got that, then I, you know, I just sat down at the piano and would just kind of um, see how I could bring them to life. Uh, and so it, this for me is a, a real um, departure in terms of how I usually write. Cause I've, I've never written, um, well, I've never written a bunch of music based on one kind of theme. Uh, and, and normally when I release an album, it's with a band, but um this this album every i mean there's there's a couple songs that i i use um the sextet that i i've recorded a bunch of albums with called turboprop um there's i think there's four songs that turboprop plays on the album one with the singer as well but then every everything else is kind of these different organization or, or um not organizations but different combinations of musicians that i thought would work well to portray that character. You mentioned uh, Singer, and this is the first album, as far as I'm aware, that you've had that has vocalists on it, and it has several. Will you talk to me about that decision? Sure. Um, so I think the easiest uh, decision was the song that I wrote for The Beautiful Mystery. Um, the Beautiful Mystery is the one that's based on uh, the monks that sing this plain chant. So I immediately thought, okay, well, I want to get a male voice to be able to sing this melody that I've written. Um, and um, I used a wonderful musician named Alex Samaras, who's one of my favorite musicians in the world. He's an incredible singer. Um, he's worked with uh, Meredith Monk and he's, and he's worked, um, he performs all around um, Canada. And I know he's done a lot of work in the U.S. as well. He's just one of the the best male singers I've ever heard. He's really outstanding. Um, and so I, I wanted to, I knew right away that I wanted him to sing this song. And then I wrote another song based on um, a poem. There, one of the characters in the village is this woman named Ruth Zardo, who's a, a poet and a very famous poet. Again, fictional. She doesn't actually exist, but in the books, <laughs> she's a very famous poet in Canada. Um, and I think she I think she has won a governor general's award for poetry or something. She's very famous, but she's also a recluse and kind of a curmudgeon, curmudgeonly drunk woman who. Um, well, she's a super deep character, uh, to be honest, uh, but she's but she writes these poems and and. I feel like almost every book, there's something about one of her poems in it. And there was this one that I really loved um, about a moth. 
Um, and so I decided to to take that poem and then put it to music and have Alex sing that. Um, and then there's one other th song that I had originally, um, I wrote it on the piano and I didn't know how I was going to um, have it performed. I was hearing guitar for sure. And then I had, I had recorded it um, with vibes and, and bass and it sounded nice, but I wasn't sure if that was the right instrumentation. And I thought about maybe strings. Um, and then I was talking to my sister, Amy, who, who co-produced the album with me. And um, she suggested vocals for that song, um, which ended up being the, the most perfect suggestion. Um, so I got three singers um, to sing the song and uh, um, name uh, from Felicity Williams, um, who's a wonderful uh, singer here in Canada. She works a lot um, in jazz, but also in the like indie rock scene. Um, she's in a group called the Bahamas that are, that are pretty big. Um, and then another singer named Emily Claire Barlow, who's just one of the top female singers in Canada. And, and she's traveled all over the world singing and, and uh, she's, yeah, she's really exceptional. And then I got my dear sister, Amy, to um to sing with us as well and so the song is called three pines that's the name of the fictional town that most of this stuff happens and so i thought it was also very appropriate to get three singers to kind of represent kind of you know kind of represent the three pines and and sing this melody and um yeah it's really it was a really neat experience to to write um I mean, I wrote the song initially not thinking it was going to be for voice, but then I kind of reworked it to make it work for the three voices. And I, I, I couldn't have been, I mean, I couldn't be more thrilled with, um, with the results. take a quick break from the interview just a friendly reminder that members of the jazz session also get a bonus episode in addition to the main show it's called this i dig of you it comes out on the same day as the main show and it features the main show's guest but talking about a non-musical thing they're enjoying so for example in combination with this main interview with ernesto Cervini, you could also hear ernesto talk in a very charming way about ultimate frisbee which i think is super fun so if that's the kind of thing you think you might dig, you can go to patreon.com slash thejazzsession or thejazzsession.com slash join and become a member for $5 a month. You'll also get early access to every show, a thank you for me on an episode, occasional behind-the-scenes info, and other bonus material. Each month, as I mentioned, I do like to thank three members of my Patreon community, and in fact, this month I'll be doing that more than once. This time, a tip of the cap to Lance Harris, Patrick McCurry, and Randy White. You are all fabulous. And now, back to the show.
We've mentioned uh, your sister Amy a couple times, and I just want to point out that she has been on this show before. And if folks go to thejazzsession.com, you can just search for her in the archives, and that will pop right up. Um, you mentioned already how uh, you know Turboprop is on several tracks, but generally speaking, it's almost as if it's a new, completely new audio landscape for each one of these pieces, which I think is so cool. It really it it turns the album itself into a story, um, you know, mm. because you're you're just hearing all of these different colors. And um, given you were just kind of alluding to this, but you uh, composed the majority of this music. It sounds like at the piano. And then you use the phrase, you know, I was hearing guitar or I was hearing such and such. Can you say more about that? How is is it just a is it just a feeling? I, I mean, I'm interested in how you hear any particular combination of instruments for something you've written. You know, that's <laughs> I'm not sure how I I just do. Um, yeah, it's it's just a matter of um, it, it's funny because I remember, you know, learning about Duke Ellington when I was uh, in school and how he would write for the specific musicians in his band. And I remember hearing that and just thinking like, I don't even understand what that means. How can you do that? <laughs> um, right, like, how do you write for a specific musician? You write and then they play it, but like, how can you write? But really when I was writing this music, I was hearing these musicians play it. And a lot of these, uh, most of the musicians on the album I've been playing with for years and years and years. So um, you know, I could sit down right now and close my eyes and see Tara Davidson play something on the alto saxophone and hear how she would play it. Because I, I mean, her specifically, I've been playing with her since I was 12. So, you know, she's, I've known her longer than almost than most people that I know. Um, and we've been making music together for that, that long, um, almost continuously, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so yeah. So when I would hear, like, for example, she, she, there's a song called Clara, which is one of the characters in the book. One of the, one of the main characters, um, she's one of the, um, villagers that, that lives in three pines and, um, and right away, I, I mean, she's this, she's a, a painter and she's kind of this, uh, really, free and zany she's not zany but but um she's an artist and so she's just got this this wonderfully creative spirit and uh right away I was like you know I want her song to just be an alto saxophone by itself and I could hear Tara's voice in it because Tara is this wonderfully creative spirit and um so yeah. So, so when I was thinking about these characters, oftentimes I would just hear my friends playing and I'd be like, okay, I want that to be, you know, Tara by herself. And then this character, I want it to be, uh, I think, you know, maybe this one's going to be like a piano trio and it's with, um, you know, two people who are like, are two of my closest friends in the world. And so we're going to make this music together that, that, you know, is going to represent, this beautiful character, you know, this beautiful character that I love and I'm going to do it with these musicians that I love. And, and, um, so yeah. So I think, um, you know, when you play with people long enough, you start to really hear their, their musical voices, um, strongly and you can, you can use that to create music that hopefully will fit. And I mean, if you know them well enough, it, it kind of, I think it works pretty naturally 
that the music that you write will end up fitting really well with their voice just because you know them so well that you know what works and what doesn't. You know, as you talked about that, it struck me that the process you're describing sounds almost more like casting a film than <laughs> the normal process of assembling a band for an album because you you are adapting a a work that already exists a work of prose where there are established characters and they have personalities and they have histories and you are trying to find you know albeit musically and generally speaking through instrumental music but you're trying to find a way to express those characters using actual people that you that you personally know or know of. And that strikes me much more as the way, you know, a person might cast the actors in their film where there is source material to work from. And they're trying to find the best people to embody those characteristics, which is, which is really interesting. If, if it feels like a component that composers don't normally have to consider, you know, it's, it's more than just, this is the kind of thing this person plays. It's it's more like, well, this person will also represent the spirit of the character from whom I'm drawing this inspiration. Uh, you can correct me if that doesn't resonate, but that's what it sounds like to me. The, no, that resonates a lot. Um, you're absolutely right. And I, I've never thought about it that way. Um, and again, it's never, I, I've never worked on something in that way because I usually, I just, I write a bunch of music for a band and, so, you know, I'll, I'll often write, you know, now that I have these established bands, I'll often write a song and be like, oh, that's a turboprop song because I can hear the band playing it. Um, but you're right with this. It was it was writing songs that represented those characters and then casting the people that I wanted to play that song. Um, yeah, I never thought about it that way, but I think that's a really wonderful way to 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 kind of a wonderful analogy. So most people who hear this record probably won't have read the books and there'll be some context that they won't have, uh, some frame of reference they won't have when they hear this music. And I'm curious, as you were writing the music, how much, if at all, that idea factored into the compositions? Yeah, it it factored in a lot with the post writing process but when i was writing the the actual songs i was fully immersed in the characters and i just went for it um and then afterwards when i was putting the album together and the album art and everything and i was talking to my sister a lot about this i did think well are we going to alienate people who don't know this this music and they don't i mean sorry they don't know these stories and they're that you know they're going to look at this but i think um I tried, well, I'm hoping 
that if you don't have any idea about these books, it's still music and it's still, um, you know, it, it hopefully still plays out as an album of music that is varied and, um, you know, can hold up even without the backstory. Um, I think the backstory will make it richer because you can appreciate, you know, you can see these characters as you're listening to the music, but you're right. There, the chances of, of uh, even, even though Louise Penny's books are, are world famous and, um, you know, New York Times bestsellers and all that stuff that's still, you know, what are the chances of, of having a jazz fan who likes my music, but also has read these books. I mean, it's going to be, there's going to be some. Um, and uh, I, that's why I was so thrilled when you said you've read the books. Uh, Cause I didn't know that. I didn't know that you had. So that, that means that we can, there's a little bit of inside baseball. We can talk, we can discuss, <laughs> <laughs> but we shouldn't do that too much. Cause you don't want to alienate people who haven't, you know, I really, I, I don't want that. So um, I, I figure it's intermittent, uh, excuse me, it's instrumental music, uh, instrumental jazz. And I feel like if you've never read any of these books and you don't know what's going on, it's still going to be instrumental jazz that you can enjoy. And because at the end of the day, a lot of in instrumental jazz, you know, the song titles sometimes don't, don't really mean much anyway. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. And I'll, you know, I'll listen to an album um, and have no idea what any of the songs are called because if I'm not looking, but I just know, Oh, I like that one. I like the second track and the fifth track are really great. Um, and so hopefully if someone doesn't have that reference where they've, they've, you know, gone um, deep into these books and, and read and, and they're familiar with all the characters, it won't matter because they can still say, well, I really like that first one. And I really like that fourth one. And the solo saxophone one is really cool. And, you know, and, um, but I definitely did talk to Amy about, I was a little worried about um, alienating listeners who hadn't uh, read the books, but so far from all accounts, um, I'm, that's not happening and I hope it doesn't. <laughs> and I can insert my own experience here, which is that my normal practice when I'm listening to a record that I'm going to interview someone about is that the first time I listen to it, I don't look at anything. I don't, Right. I don't read the presbyterials. I don't look at the song titles. I just put the record on and hit play. And I actually didn't know the first time through that this record was was based on these books at all. I didn't know oh, there was cool. any connection because I hadn't read anything. And I just yeah. enjoyed the album. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's a really good record. I'd like to talk to Ernesto about it. Okay, so now I'll open up the PDF of the press release. And then I started reading and then I started seeing the song titles. I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> This is about these books. And it just <laughs> so then I listened again with that in mind. So I can personally testify that it worked great the first time when I had no context whatsoever, except that I knew it was a record by you. And that was literally all I knew. I didn't know any of the players who were on it. I hadn't looked at anything. And then the second time through, I listened to it with this whole other world of concepts in my brain because I had read the books that it's based on, but uh, which I think is great because the music... Uh, I don't want to give people the impression through this interview that the music is programmatic. It's not. It's it's music that's inspired by this world that Louise Penny has created. But it's not it's not music that like 
accompanies a story or you know that kind right. of thing so yeah i think people can dive right into this record with no problem and they'll have been hearing it all through this interview and i think that will prove that point but i think you can dive right into this album without any context and if it then inspires you to go read the books then the next time you dive into this record you'll have an even cooler experience because you'll have this other world in which to place the music which it seems like the best of all possible situations as far as i'm concerned that that makes me so happy i love the fact that you listened to this and had no idea and then and then got to listen to it again with with knowing what what the songs are based on and i man that's really cool i'm that makes me really happy curious uh i know exactly what i would do in this situation but i'm curious about your what you are might be thinking is, is there any chance you will try to get this to louise penny and say hey here's a record based on your fabulous work yeah i already have <laughs> good oh good that is the one yeah. correct answer awesome. yeah i got in touch with her right when i had the idea um just to make sure it was okay so I got in touch with her four or five years ago and said, listen, I'm in love with your books. I really want to write some music. Is that okay? And she wrote me back right away and said, yes, that's amazing. I'm so honored that you've been moved to write music based on these books. Um, and then we've been in touch um, off and on since then. I, I try to, you know, really respect her boundaries and, uh, I've been tr really try to be really, really careful about respecting her intellectual property and and making it clear to her that I'm not trying to just, you know, ride on her coattails, um, but rather that I'm just a huge fan and and love these books and was moved to create this music um, based on what she's created. And uh, so, yeah, I sent her the album when it was all finished. Well, I sent her the master's um before i had the physical artwork and she sent me back the most lovely email um just she's been so supportive and um she loves the name of the album she thought joy was the perfect name and uh so yeah it's been it's been so thrilling to be able to communicate with her and and share with her what she's kind of given me um as a as a fellow artist and and creator you know i'm so gratified to hear that because first of all because you contacted her at all but also because uh for folks who aren't familiar with these books uh, one thing it's really important to say is that these are huge these books you you cannot walk into a bookstore in the english-speaking world and not see these books faced out 
on display every time they come out. And I mean, they are, these are massive bestsellers. And so I thought there was a reasonable chance that you would say something like, yeah, you know, I, I did try to contact her, but I never heard back. I don't know anything about right. Louise Penny as a person. Uh, I don't even know if that's her real name. I didn't know nothing about her at all. <laughs> I've just read the books. And so I'm so gratified to hear that not only did she respond, but that it was, uh, you know, a, a mutually supportive situation. And I, that just makes me very, very happy. Oh, she's been I mean, it made me beyond. I was thrilled. You know, to open to open my inbox and see an email from Louise Penny made me freak out, <laughs> just absolutely freak out. And then the fact that she was so supportive and so sweet. Um, yeah, it's been incredible. So, uh, you know, I'm again, I've, I've been trying to be really careful about not pushing too hard because, um, you know, I want to like hang out with her and <laughs> Like I, I want to, I want to have her sign my CD, and I want, you know, I want all those things, but I also want to respect her, her privacy, because as you said, like you know, she's she's a a serious author, and she's um very busy writing these incredible books. That you know, there's a new one that comes out in November, so uh, I know she's been really busy getting that finished, and so I've been uh, try to be really respectful of of her time, and but uh, but she's been really really great and uh yeah it made me it it's it's so thrilling to just be able to have one foot one tiny toe into that world of that she's created um and there's a tv show coming out you know about this oh i didn't know about that yeah so amazon prime is uh releasing i'm not sure what it's going to be called it's going to be called three pines or but the first season has been filmed um and and crazy story, uh, Amy was looking up the info for it because I mean she's as much a Louise Penny nut as I am, and or maybe even more so if that's possible. Um, <laughs> and she was looking up the info for this, and we realized that our aunt is in the show. What? Yeah. <laughs> so my my uncle's an actor, and it's it's actually his ex wife. Um, so she, I don't know, I guess she's not really my aunt anymore, but uh, oh, we're counting it for these. Purposes. She certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she certainly is now. And uh, yeah, so she was looking at the cast list and it, it, they filmed it in Canada and it's mostly Canadian actors, although, um, oh, uh, the Armand Gamache is going to be Alfred Molina. Oh, wow. And yeah. And um, it's it's being done by the same company that did The Crown. So it's like a really reputable production company and um i don't know when it comes out but my aunt plays peter morrow's mom that is very who's a cool. really nasty woman she's really not a nice woman and she almost <laughs> she she did audition for the part of ruth which would have been mind-blowing if my aunt was ruth but yes. she didn't get it <laughs> she didn't get the part but yeah so that's coming out i think it's supposed to be coming out in the fall so like soon ish yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I eagerly await the first piece of Dr. Gamashtopus fan art with uh, Alfred Molina. <laughs> that's Gamash. If I had any artistic skill, I would do it myself. But uh, oh, that's I put really that out there funny. into the universe so that somebody who hears this will make me a Dr. Gamashtopus uh, piece of fan art. Well, I love it. The album is called Joy. Uh, it's by Ernesto Servini, who's been my guest. It's a it's a wonderful record, and I'm so glad that you took the time to come on and talk about it. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Jason. 
Thanks to my guest this month, Ernesto Cervini. His previous appearance on the show was on episode 312 from 2011. Just search for his name at thejazzsession.com. Thanks also to the members who support this show and to the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music and Sarah Walter for the logo. You can message me for more info about Sarah if you'd like to hire her to do some graphic work for you. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him at hearchucknow.com. Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, at least until Twitter implodes, and on Instagram and TikTok at the Jazz Session. Take a second right now to rate and review the Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts or in the app that you're using to listen to the show or wherever it is that you listen. It really improves my ability to reach new folks. If you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast, my poetry, and more, you can subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. If you value what you just heard, become a member for five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye.